Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 12. What I did learn was there's a lifestyle that exists and there's a way to pull it off. And I'm, I'm pursuing a lifestyle now more than anything else. And I'm going to find a way to make it happen. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. Each week, we dive deep into uncovering the difference between the average and the awesome. We talk with thought leaders, business moguls, health and fitness professionals, and world-class athletes as we look for the secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to another terrific interview with one of my great friends and one of the world's best kayakers, the legendary Benny Marr. Today we talk with Ben about how he got into kayaking and some of his favorite places to paddle. And then we go deep and we talk um, money and how he is able to continue traveling the world and chase his dreams. Uh, as well as he talks about, you know, past injuries, yoga, nutrition, and he really just explains how he's able to live out his best and healthiest life. Ben also talks about how he's able to keep his passion in paddling without getting burnt out, which is uh, something that I think everybody can kind of relate to whatever their passion might be. We honestly get a great look into the inner workings of Benny's mind and his decision-making bandwidth and just, yeah, it's it's super cool how he makes decisions. So you guys might want to listen for that for sure. And it was just a super fun interview. And I know I learned a ton from some of Ben's long-winded answers, um, but it was just a great time and a ton of fun. So I truly think you guys are going to love this interview, whether you're looking to follow Benny's footsteps as an athlete or whether you're just trying to live out your own best life and follow your dreams. There's definitely a piece of gold in here for everyone. Though before we get into the interview, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who has reached out and sent me messages with support. This has been awesome and definitely just it encourages me to continue making this content for you guys and I honestly I hope that you're enjoying it so thank you very much for your messages and for anyone else that would like to give a little bit of support if you could simply just leave a rating and review on the Apple podcast app it would be greatly appreciated especially if it's a good review uh, and if if it's not a good review then maybe just uh, send me a DM with with your constructive criticism. Now, let's wait no longer and jump right into it. So here's Benny Marr. Well, Benny, thank you so much for joining me today. As always, it is a pleasure to get to hang out, uh, to talk with you, surf waves, whatever we're up to. So just stoked to have you on the show with me. And and yeah, this is going to be awesome. Sweet, man. Um, so Ben, you're one of the biggest names in kayaking. You've created uh, a ton of different videos. You do a little bit of everything, expedition, paddling. You've done some big trips with Ben Stokesbury and his crew, uh, surf kayaking. You're, you're really well known for big volume rapids, big water kayaking, especially, um, up, I mean, kind of all over the place. But um, And then also you're definitely, you know, one of the, the main guys in stakeout and surfing a lot of the biggest waves 
you know, in the world. Um, so do you have a specific type of kayaking that you like the most? What's your favorite or kind of just like, I don't know, how, how do you jump between it all? I, I used to very easily answer that with freestyle kayaking being my favorite, but uh, that that has totally shifted and and that that happened without me realizing it i just i just noticed i was very close to these big waves and thinking well i kind of surf this wave a lot and it was starting to get harder to keep it fresh but now i've i can definitely and it makes me happy to feel to just know that i love big water high volume river running and the only thing that changes is the gradient really so so i would consider the stikine in the realm of what's my favorite the food in the realm of what's my favorite and the zambezi these are like my um those are three of my favorite places to paddle and i know that a big reason for that is because there's very little impact on the body and it feels like that's a sustainable uh arena for me to be in for a lot longer so being somewhere like on the Ottawa or the Mississippi, those are up there with my favorites. And that also brings in the freestyle element, but I'm starting to real like see that more or sorry, less is more for freestyle for me. I should, I should learn to be happy with a shorter session and then a couple river runs instead of the other way around where it's just, just going to hammer on a big wave because it, it gets sore. That's interesting. I definitely, the Zambezi is one of my favorites as well. Uh, it's been top three of my favorite rivers since I first went there back in like 2006, maybe. Um, but I never really thought about it as the fact that it's like less impact on the body. Uh, interesting that, that you bring that up. So you kind of talk a little bit about how you started more in freestyle kind of around the Ottawa. You want to just kind of give us a little bit of a breakdown of how you started in kayaking, where you started, and, and kind of a little bit, you know, you don't have to go too in-depth, but how you got to where you are today. The the journey started in a canoe. I don't know. I think my first trip in Algonquin Park in Ontario when it was when I was two. Whitewater started, I think, when I was seven, and kayaking started when I was nine. Soon after that, uh, we, we would have been on the Madawaska River, a tributary to the Ottawa River in Ontario, and Soon after that, my dad and I would, would have been paddling on the Ottawa when I was 10 or 11, probably 11. Um, and then staying at a rafting company, working at a rafting company, but not on the river so I could paddle more. And the Ottawa River just became a pretty steady character in my life. I went to school close by to the Ottawa River. So that was my first year out of high school. And then I, I stopped, I stopped that program and, and started to work to travel right after that. So the Ottawa river is my foundation, <clears throat> my foundation river, my home river. Um, my first trip away from that river into a Creek boat. I, I can't guess. I think I was 15 or 16 and I went to the Southeast with Chris Grotman. So that was my first time Creek boating. I got to run the talks away in the green and a few other runs it was just a really quick trip but the simple my the the ottawa river is my background and that's that's where i i grew grew almost all my skills that i used to start traveling away to other rivers there 
That's awesome. You, uh, you mentioned going to the green and the Talksway. Talksway is an incredible run. And to just have a, a quick trip down to the Southeast, it sounds like you uh, banged out some of the best runs around here for sure. Um, I obviously grew up on the Ottawa as well. That's where I met you when we were super young. And it's interesting how, I, I mean, I had a little bit of a different version of kind of getting into kayaking where I also had the family aspect there similar to you, but I went through more of like the kayak school route with Ottawa Kayak School and stuff like that. Did you essentially like, obviously your, your parents were, you know, big into the outdoors and canoeing and, and got into kayaking and stuff. Would you say that you got into paddling specifically through your parents or did you ever go to a school? Like, did you just kind of self teach yourself like, or self-taught? Like, how did you learn everything? My dad we would take whitewater canoe lessons together. So I, I, from a young age, I was, I'd learn <clears throat> J strokes and draw strokes and cross bow draw strokes and entering and ex- exiting eddies, but as a teammate to my dad. Um, and it's really fun. You, you can, I, it's been a long time. I don't think you'll get the same sensation in a duo that you will get in a canoe the, the stakes are different it's longer, it's wider. And when that, I can remember the bow, bow swings, like you get into the current and the bow is swinging down fast and all the, your scenery perspective is changing. And then when you come into an eddy, you're, you're planted in the, in the stern swinging around you. So the, I, I did a lot of that with my dad and we did take classes separate him separately. And then together we would take classes but my first formal instruction was with Madawaska Canoe Center uh, at, at both their base and at Palmer Rapids. I used to paddle at Palmer Rapids a lot when I was a kid. And after that, I don't know what age I was, but I went to a two-week junior development program with Liquid Skills, which that, that is that is can do the same thing when you're a kid now if depending on who's teaching at keeners you might all of a sudden be a student to people you've been uh hero like worshiping or hero worshiping so i i looked up to kevin verrett tyler curtis ken whiting chad hitchens joey hitchens and then they started a kayaking school and i was all of a sudden at that kayaking school with chris grotmans who uh i mean he's he's still He's not as much in whitewater world anymore, but he's still a recognizable name. And my friend, Maxie Miewasser, who lives out here in British Columbia, and I still get to paddle with however many years later, like we're 15 plus years later now, these guys are still close friends. And my, any instruction I had was through liquid skills. And then from the people who were better than me, which Chris, Chris was always, I was always learning from him and, and whoever was on the Ottawa river, I was constantly trying to soak in whatever I could from the the kayakers who were more experienced than me. Um, so that was, that was the instruction I got. And it was amazing. Uh, very similar to, to Keener's I'd say with the amount of time you got to spend on the water, the time off the water was a little more loose for sure. We, we, it was as important as all the time on the water. We would milk everything, every second we could out of our, River day, um, Chris and I would typically be the last people at Blacks, and 
we'd be balancing the time to like not get in trouble, not miss dinner and surf as much as we could. And, and then at river run, that's where we were staying. We'd, we'd watch kayak movies. We'd run around like crazy unsupervised kids. And we tried to do lots of urban kayaking because one of the movies we watched a lot was the revolution. And so that's going downstairs and trying to find a, a nice spot in the roof to fly off in the kayak too. I definitely had a very similar upbringing in, in kayaking <laughs> and, and watching those videos too. Yeah. yeah, no, it was good, good times back then for sure. Um, and I still see Chris, you know, every green race out here. So it's pretty cool, but I, I haven't seen Max in, in a long time. So if you see him, tell him I say, Hey, well, but you also, you, you talk about kind of earlier on where you were really just trying to um, make money to travel. You've got like one of the, the coolest stories as far as like the professional kayakers go in the sense that a lot of the professional kayakers, you know, that are current or that have been, you know, if you look back into the history, they've, a lot of them have had like a, a brand that they support or sponsors and stuff like that. And you've almost made your career a little bit behind the fact that you don't um, necessarily have one brand sponsor or one company that you work with. And I don't know if that means like you don't have a sponsor or if it just means that you work with a lot of different sponsors, but um, kind of explain how that works and how you're able to still travel and maybe some of the different things that you've done to make the money to travel and, and go kayaking. My after, so one year I did, I did went to college, I guess I would have been 17. I got an email from Chris Grotman's halfway through that year saying, let's go to Uganda. I think that the white Nile is the place to be the young gun, like YGP's been going there. We can, we can kayak in the winter time. And that email was sent to myself, probably Maxie. I'm not sure. I can't remember Dave Newenhouse. And I just easy decision. Okay. I'm not going to go to school. And I, I just got a job in Brockville, which is the town I, I went to high school. I grew up close to there and just a construction job to make enough money to buy a camera and a plane ticket to get over there. And that is the theme I, I followed. I, I would work when it seemed like the time to work and I would, I would save up to go on kayaking trips I, one thing I did not do a good job of initially was when I was home, I wouldn't, I would be depleted and I'd miss out on, it took me a long time to start to take advantage of what was close to home, like going to Quebec or something, you know, I'd have to work while people were going up on the original, the first stakeouts, but I, I, I just worked, man. I, I would, it, it wasn't that daunting. I would, I would just find jobs that, felt not too commit committing and where I could try to make as much as I could. So I went out West and I got set up working on the drilling rigs and that was great for short and intense bouts of, of hard work where I could get set up for quite a few months of hiking. And I, my dream, my dream, I still have dreams of being a fully supported professional kayaker. It, there's, there's been about, I mean, I, I can, 
call myself that for many years at this point, but I'd say there's about one or two years total where I thought this is pretty close to what I envisioned it being. There's one year. I have one year where I thought this is it. This is like what I wanted my life to be like. And it, I've never, I, I didn't get as many years as I wanted of that, but I'm, I'm learning how to, what I, what I did learn was there's a lifestyle that exists and there's a way to pull it off. And I'm, I'm pursuing a lifestyle now more than anything else. And I'm going to find a way to make it happen. Um, that's the, the, the theme is that if, if you want something bad enough, you'll find a way to make it happen. And that's an Evan Garcia. I don't know if that's an Evan Garcia original, but I read that on his blog years and years and years ago. And I thought, yeah, that's cool. But I, I worked, I started to get sponsorships pretty early on in my early twenties or maybe late teen years. I had a friend who I, I emulated a lot and mentored me and he was telling me I, I really needed to start then. And if I could get a boat sponsor and grow with that sponsor that in five, 10 and 15 years, it could be a pretty good chunk of my income. And I found that I, I did that. I tried to start that and I ended up it didn't matter as much then, but I, I learned some a really good lesson where I, I just paddled this boat where it didn't work. It was holding me back and I didn't really realize it until another trip to the Nile where I got back into a design that I really loved. I had the best ride of my entire trip and I just thought, oh wow, it's not worth it. Like the this is the most the boat is how we interact with the white water and it's so important to enjoy what you're sitting in and enjoy how it interacts with the currents that I, I kind of gave up on having a boat sponsor because there were so many different good designs and all of a sudden a new boat would come out and you just want to try it. And that was more valuable to me than, um, an amount of money. And I don't know, I, I think that's probably still the case. Like there's not one, it's just, it's more valuable to me to, to have my, quiver as you as you would call it and the selection of kayaks than to have an extra few thousand bucks even an extra ten thousand bucks whatever whatever's on offer out there right now like I choose I choose what I have and I started really wanting to find um, sponsorships from outside the kayaking industry because that would they wouldn't be limiting in any way they'd be a, a good a good chunk of income to help me do what I wanted to do and I wouldn't have to succumb to the parts of contracts that would be difficult for the way that my years typically pan out which don't involve being close to festivals or races or events um, which in my one of my original con contracts they're trying to get me to pay for the boats that they gave me because I didn't fulfill these contractual obligations which under the contract they were supposed to potentially pay me or at least pay for the travel for me to fulfill these things. And they're like, you need to pay for these boats because you didn't fulfill the contract. I was like, man, like, I don't want to, I'm, it's just not, it just seemed like such small details when overall, like if your brain is exploding with all the rivers in the world that you want to go see and this, these, I, I, was unnecessarily burdened by that mentally. It's not that big a deal to like these contracts are easy to, to fulfill, but th that was an easy thing for me. Like, ah, 
I'm all good. And I was, I had a few years where I had some good sponsorships from out of the industry. I made money with selling photos for a long time, writing a little bit and sweet protection has been for many years now, my, they've been the longest supporting sponsor I've had and a huge, a huge part of my kayaking career. And then all that said, it's, it's really the time, like you're, you're trading when you work a typical job or like what I was doing where you're, you're trading your time for money. It ends up being more than just the, the hour you trade for that amount, your hour, hourly wage. It costs a lot of time to be there to then travel away from there to get back to where you'd like to be. So it costs a lot of time and having these sponsorships allowed me to get a lot more time back. So if you get a sponsorship that's like three grand or something, um, that's a lot more than, cause if I, if I have to go make that somewhere else, it's going to cost me a lot of time to make that, that money. And I feel like that's what I've, I've, I've been really rich with this, my, this kayaking career is just I've had time and I haven't always used every minute or every hour or every day or every month or even entire years, the best that I could, but I've, I had the option to. So it's now at this point, I, I understand I could have used it some time better, but that's, that's fine. I'm going to try to use it better in the future. So there's been lots of good lessons from that. And, um, yeah, I've got, I, I only have one sponsor now and it's not even a kayaking company, but the, uh, I've got good relationships with people. I can get the gear that I need and save money that way. So that's in a nutshell, in a really big nutshell. I think that's how it all kind of works for me. And it's still, still the same. I write a little bit. Um, I haven't owned a camera for a long time, but I can still, you can, you can self sell photos. And sometimes after a few years, when you get older, you get to go on trips for free because people want you to go on trips. So those are nice. That's awesome. No, there's definitely, there's a lot to be said about one um, kind of realizing that time value and kind of the, the difference between just being, you know, paid for time and, and what that time value could be doing something else. But what, what was the difference for you for like going working on a, a drill site or something like that versus trying to find a job that was maybe less pay, but on the river, like teaching or something like that was, was there ever that thought process where you just thinking like, when I'm not on the river, I'm just going to try and make as much money as I can. I think the, I found being on the river for somebody else or for money didn't work that well for me. When I worked at river run, they tried, I was meant to start video kayaking. I didn't like that. I didn't safety boating one time and I didn't love that. And teaching, I just didn't go down that, that road. I took a instructor course from liquid skills when I was younger, but it maybe, maybe what happened was when I went so the, the college I went to in Pembroke, which is where you went to high school, that's, that's an outdoor adventure program. And I took that, that class, they, they're, they work, they partner with wilderness tours, rafting, and you say you've never 
being into so you come from a, a more city centric life and you you want to take this outdoor course you're going to be introduced to a ton of different outdoor sports really quickly and you can you can become proficient ish in them depending on how proficient you are at sports and then become a guide or an instructor etc and i i could tell very quickly i didn't want to be outside to guide people or to teach people i wanted to do that on my own and I've, as I've kayaked and done my own thing, I've come around and I really love going to teach keeners and I've done some guiding for, uh, for Steve Fisher with Steve Fisher, which then I was interested. I liked that. So now I've done it for myself. I've guided in, it's, it's kind of guy it's it's hazy i've kind of created a little hazy zone where i'm instructing and kayaking but i really love it now and it's part of how i'm trying to it's how i'm trying to pursue growth in kayaking is by helping other people but working on the river was i i also i would i would i i was campground security and maintenance man i was cutting grass delivering firewood. I was supposed to make sure people paid to camp there, but I didn't used to pay to camp there. So I wasn't good at that. Plus I was really shy. What, you know, I'd have 12 hour shifts and whatever, but you know, the, the rafting trips would come back in and my friends would come walking up the hill from the river and I'm just finishing eight hour shift, cleaning outhouses, doing the garbages, whatever it was, and just pumped to get to the river. And they've just done you know, maybe just one trip down or maybe it's the weekend they've done two and they're kind of, they've had their day on the river, but it wasn't, it wasn't for them. So one hour, three hours spent at corner wave doesn't, that doesn't equal three hours of safety kayaking. They, that's not even close. Like you can't even like three hours of working on the river. It does not that's not the same as going out on your own with a buddy. So it was, that was, that was an easy, that's, that's not, that's, that's kind of what got me into that, that road. And I used to work, I, I worked many, many years on and off with a concrete company, the Monkman forming and all the sons kayakers uh, still, and that was a job I could have close to home and be close to the Ottawa river, but you're still working eight, nine, 10 hours, mostly eight. You still just get the weekend. And right now I'm in, I'm in British Columbia. I'm working six to eight hours a day and it works for me right now. I'm happy with it. And I've got lots of free time still to plan other things and, and work on, like another online course, kayaking and yoga course, or I still have time and I'm not right next to a river. So I'm not distracted by one. Uh, I'm right next to good biking. So I'm, I'm biking a lot. It's, it's different. The, but I, I, I'm different too. I'm old. I'm kind of now I'm, I've just been living like in the moment every single day, like kayak, 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 kayak. And now I'm thinking, okay, what does, what does 40 year old Benny want and what can I do right now to 
to put 40 year old Benny right beside the river because same thing. Like you, you got to look at the time it takes you. You're living in Beechburg. That's awesome. If you don't have a car, you're far from the river. That's far. Uh, you're living in Beechburg with a vehicle and a job. You can kayak a lot. Uh, this thing I could, I could throw a, a stone from the porch of the house I was living in and landed in the water of the Ottawa river. I've never kayaked more. It was amazing. And just because you've, if you go live in Pembroke, which is 30, 35 minutes from the put into the Ottawa river, but you've got a job and an apartment and all these things, like you might be 35 minutes away, but it's still going to cost you time and planning to get there. So it's all these, all these things add up. And that's, that's how I've made decisions for a long time, trying to minimize the time, energy, and decisions that I have to make to slide into the water. That's a, it's a cool mindset of, of, you know, really focusing on that time management for sure. And, uh, something that I could probably learn from as well. Um, cause I definitely, you know, sometimes I'm like, Oh, I just, you know, being in the, in Beechburg, for instance, would be awesome, but you're still, I mean, I've ran to the river and I've biked to the river many times and it, it's, you know, a couple of miles still. You're, it's, uh, yeah. if I'm, if I'm hauling it, it's still a 15 minute bike ride. Um, yeah. and yeah, you're totally right. But you, you also mentioned a little bit, you kind of tapped into the fact that you took some, some yoga classes and you've also been teaching a little bit on your own kind of first explain a little bit of the kind of how you got into yoga and and you're obviously for the listeners out there that don't already know ben is a certified yoga instructor um but how did you kind of get into the yoga world and and yeah just kind of explain you know going off on that path a little bit i started doing yoga when i was working on the rigs and Sometimes you work on a rig, you're staying in a town in a hotel. Other times you get put in this camp. So that's another great thing about working on the rigs. Just, you know, you, yeah, you might have to fly out there. You might be stuck into three, four months of work, but you might be living in a camp and all you do is go to the rig back to the, like to the rig to camp, to the rig to camp. So you can't even, that's why that's a good job for really short periods of time, but it's, it's, it's physically demanding. And I had my, for, I used to, feel my back get sore from surfing big waves, like mini bus, whatever. I thought, Oh, but you just kind of like start surfing again the next day and everything warms up and it goes away. Then you feel good. Then you feel sore the next, but then mini bus goes away. So you just, kinda, I would just dump everything I had, uh, energy wise into it. Then on the rigs, I had, I had an experience where my, my back became very sore, very sensitive. And I just decided that yoga was the answer. This is 16, seven, no, this is whatever, 12 years ago. And I started doing yoga somewhat in secret in my room because I didn't want my coworkers to know that's what I was doing because a lot of your day is spent making fun of each other. Um, and I was, yeah, I was embarrassed to be doing it basically until I realized how helpful it was. And slowly as I, I got more flexibility, I, the back pain went away. So I, I just, I slowly built on that every year. It's been years and years and years. It's not like I'm uh, doing yoga every day, sometimes not even every week, 
but in the past three years, it's been more and more and more each year. And now it is pretty rare that a, a week would go by that I'm not doing it. I've just had a, a strange kind of string of minor injuries. So I haven't done it in a while, but I was, I was four days a week for about a month taking yoga classes from this amazing studio in Pembroke actually. And it's just, it's like anything you, you get better at it and the more you do it, the better you get at it. And if you're strong and into getting upside down, there's an endless amount of time you can spend trying to learn how to balance on your hands and funky positions. But it, it really, so to make a kayaking example, racing very quickly exposes your weaknesses. Like, boom, you just know (laughs) where you need work. And yoga very quickly does the exact same thing for your flexibility. Um, you can be instructed on a pose, how to get into it. You can look at someone doing it. You can try to do it and you just know if you're in that pose or not. That's not true. Sometimes you think you are and you see a mirror and you think, wow, this is, it shows you via sensation in your body where your tight spots are. It gives you, I think it's given me body, a better understanding of my own body and body awareness. So I'm into it and it's very complimentary to kayaking. Last summer I I did a 200 hour teacher training with one yoga and the kayaking I did after that, I was, I was twisty and limber and felt good. I I was on skookum truck, just snapping air screws just fast. And I went to the Stikin and I still, I just felt good. And it's, it's one of those things that for me, it feels good. So I'm pursuing it. And the more I do it, the easier it is for me to, to do more. That's awesome. No, I definitely, I also got into yoga, um, for a lot of the same reasons, mainly big wave, uh, big wave just kind of hurt the impact. And, um, so between like stakeout in the spring, a bus eater, and also doing a couple trips to Africa on the white Nile, I just, I started doing yoga and just stretching in between sessions because it was the only way my back could kind of keep up with it at the time. And uh, I don't know, there's just, yeah, it's, for anybody who doesn't do yoga, it's definitely worth a try because it's, it's, uh, it's cool, both in the sense that it, you know, opens up your body with flexibility, but it just, for me too, it just kind of helps relax my mind. And maybe that's just the sense that my muscles relax and then that stress, I don't know if it's, the stress is held in the muscles or what, but it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm usually less stressed in general just by, you know, doing yoga or stretching or any of that kind of stuff. But the breathing inevitably, whether you're breathing on cue or off cue to a teacher, or you're just doing stretching when you're breathing, you'll relax, I think. And then that, that knowledge, you can just take that anywhere, like two or three, slow breaths. You don't need to be stretching to, to earn, earn some relaxation from that. That's great advice there. I probably need to work on my breathing for sure. So you, you've also, you're starting your, or I guess you've already started, you've done a couple of them. Uh, these classes or courses, or I don't know what you exactly call them, but where it's like a combination of kayaking and yoga and some Wim Hof breathing kind of how does that all you know meld together or or what what was your original vision when you're like oh i'm i'm going to you know 
do this week-long class where it's yoga and kayaking and Wim Hof? Well, the it's basically the week that I wish every week was like. So it's a nice space to exist in. We we stay so so okay. I've done two retreats. I'm calling them retreats. I don't know what to call them either, Nick. I have no clue yet. But uh, they've been hosted on the Ottawa River on the River Run, the River Run property, which is where I, I used to work. So basically, it's it's how how do you kayak every day with making as little decisions as possible while you're eating really well and taking care of your your body either by relaxing in the evenings or doing yoga in the mornings and eating good food basically it's like all these things that i like to do but i don't get to i don't always do and i thought maybe people would be interested in people do retreats all the time they do it for all sorts of different things for silent retreat yoga retreat and i did go on a yoga retreat to with the teacher who i ended up doing my teacher training with and there's this when you're being taken care of in a way you just things melt away a bit and i think people need that my life is similar to the retreats a lot of the time where i'm eating really nice food i'm in a really beautiful place and i'm kayaking a lot and it doesn't cost me very much decision making to get to and from the river so the it was it was just a shot to see if people would be into it and like i said we did two retreats so far i'm not doing any this year and this spring i was hoping to do one um and it was early i mean whatever earlier in in covid but i wasn't obviously wasn't gonna be pulling off a retreat but what happened was i was exposed to all these online offerings like so many people were and i loved it for all these exact reasons, all of a sudden I could do an hour long yoga class without an hour collective driving. One time I ran from the river, like pulling my gear off up the stairs and turned on, just opened my computer. Boom. I just finished running the river and now I'm doing a yoga class. This is great. I loved having access to all this stuff online instead of the decision to do I want to drive to go do this yoga class, add in all this extra time. <clears throat> it just it just became easier. So I I made a an online kayaking and yoga course basically. But what I what I like about the courses so far is I, I have really enjoyed trying to become an instructor and break down things, break down skills and techniques in a way that I've never done before. And I try to, that's a fun way for me to understand what's happening better and a different way for me to think about things. And it's a fun way to share. So on the, on the in-person retreats, we, we try to kayak a lot. If I had, I done another one that the scheduling would have become, there would have been a schedule <laughs> I would have stuck to because you end up just chasing yourself around all day, which is great, but it's uh, my goal, I think, was to get people kayaking way more than they normally would, which just kind of that takes makes things tight for time. But that's 
I will, I will, I just want people to come and chill out and kayak a lot and go home with, with new experiences and new things to bring from our river, which is the greatest place to, to basically wipe out and to get stuck in big holes and to learn safely, learn your weak, your kind of weak spots and, and learn ways to strengthen those. And, and I think you can do that even better online because something that I learned when, when I was working on my forward stroke was I had to use flat water to do that because the white water is too distracting and too fun and etc. So trying to learn things online and I think, I don't think it works for everybody. I think, I think it's going to work best for a certain age group because you can't imagine throwing a bunch of keeners in front of some computers to learn some kayaking. I don't think it's going to work because they learn differently, but adult learners, that's a, it's, it makes more sense to break things down by thinking about it and referencing experience and going through your own personal archives of like, Oh yeah, like I have had that happen. Or how about this experience I had on this river and they can break it down and you can talk about it. I think it, it works for a certain age group and, and it worked for me. I really liked it and it was a cool way to teach yoga. I'm not, I mean, you, you go to a yoga teacher training. It's like a lot of things. It's, then you like walk out of there on the last day with just like, okay, <laughs> like you're, it, it's a lot of yoga teachers. You could probably put a bunch of them. Like there's a personality type that uh, rises out of uh, the mass of yoga instructors. And that doesn't mean that doesn't represent every single yoga teacher, but it, it represents a, a majority and, I'm very much just trying to figure out like, cause you, all of a sudden you teach yoga to people. I can't even see them. I'm like, Oh man, like, okay, whatever. Like, I hope everyone's good. I can't really, like, I'm trying to teach this yoga class. I don't have the bandwidth to also look at the screen and like some teachers are great. They can just look at the screen and teach yoga. I had a, a teacher do that and it was awesome because you got attention and they can help you, but I'm more, what I want to do with that is really like learn and remember what feels good in my body as a kayaker when I'm really, really spending a lot of hours doing it or any activity and bring that through a class that like yoga doesn't always have to be, you know, I had some friends over here the other day before we went to the bike hill. Uh, we did like 10 or 15 minutes of just, just gentle yoga and it just feels it just felt good you know it, it wasn't a crazy class it wasn't hard for me to i didn't it wasn't like a class i was just like let's do this now let's do this now but it's it just feels good so that's the whole point of the retreats and everything is like ideally you get people together which is harder now and we'll see but you get people together and they eat a certain way for a week and they move their bodies a certain way for a week. My goal is that they'll feel different and they can decide if that felt good enough to pursue something in that, in that direction. And if it didn't, then whatever, all good. It, it sounds a lot like you've got this, um, between eating healthy, um, you know, stretching, moving your body, staying limber, uh, your, your time management and, and kind of, your decision-making bandwidth, 
it's all very focused and it 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 reminds me a lot of the the idea behind um the life and air there there's a book called the life and air and it's essentially about um you know not just about money but living you know the life of of whatever you want to do uh and focusing about you know just instead of just money about having your best life and it, it sounds a lot like you've kind of tapped into that you know on your own version where it's instead of just work worrying about money instead of just worrying about whatever you're like okay i'm just going to figure out what is going to be the most fun what is going to be the least you know time management or the the, the least um decision making that i'm going to have to do i want to eat healthy i want to do all this stuff and you've kind of created and molded together this just really unique and incredible life it sounds pretty cool i i my life doesn't necessarily reflect the yoga retreat all the time, but it it's have an idea like how awesome would it be and how easy can it get to eat a certain way on the retreat? We have an amazing chef, so it doesn't get easier than that. Like we, we collect all the food before people get there and then three meals a day, you are just getting absolutely annihilated by nourishing calories. It's insane. And I feel different when I do it, but I all like say, I feel like with many things, same with when I speak about certain things with kayaking, I like to try to get people to at least visualize or let it come through their bodies, like dial it up to an intense part of the scale, like dial it up and exaggerate something, whether it's a forward stroke or a way of eating and then let it, let it fall naturally back into your own body, into your own style, into your own pattern. So I eat a certain way. I'm, I'm often mistaking, mistakenly perceived as being like uber healthy or whatever. But like what I'm trying to find a balance of for myself is, is a very, like most of the time really good, but it's not, not perfect by any stretch. So 75% good, maybe, maybe I'm below that. I don't know, but let's call it 70% of what I'm doing. I hope is really good for me. And 30% isn't, isn't done with that goal. And I'm, I'm trying to find that balance. And this is all a part of a part of how I'm trying to find it for myself, I guess. That's cool. So j- just to kind of go back a little bit on, you know, some of the things that you've done, Ben, um, there's one video in particular that pretty much anybody in kayaking has seen. And if you haven't, you have to go see it. It's called dream. Uh, it's just an amazing video and I'm not, uh, I don't know if I'll be ruining it or not by, by asking about this, but definitely need to go check it out. But you, you start off the video as this kind of dorky type character in the video. And then you kind of in this dream state, you, you kind of morph into this like incredible, you know, invincible type character. That's like super macho and, and almost like, I don't know, um, mythical in, in, in some ways. Um, do you feel like you relate, you know, to one or the other or both or kind of, where did these two characters come from? They, the idea and in, in that the characters came from Skip Armstrong. He shot, directed, thought about it. And it was just his idea. And I've done, I've worked with Skip on 
three different films and he tells me about them. And then as we start filming, we, we also are hanging out a lot and talking constantly about it and it, it evolves. But the character, I do relate to both, I guess. And because they're fictional, you can, you can relate as much or as little as you want, but the, we call him Theodore and fun fact, Theodore, Theodore's outfit was heavily influenced by uh, Leif Anderson's profile pictures on Facebook. <laughs> um, um, Skip, Skip gave Eric Boomer and I $50 and, and we clicked through, we clicked through some of Leif's photos and, and went and bought this outfit. So I bought the Crocs, um, the t-shirt, the shorts, and Leif and I have, have long, long hair. So we, I just kind of copied his ponytail and I've told him this, but what more importantly, he's the character is just shy and it's a combination of, of being inherently shy plus un that's basically could be someone who just got out of a, a week long or a two week long kayaking course. And they've, they're set they've set it on their own they have all the gear and they just drive to the river and depending on your personality type that's going to be really easy or really difficult and for him it's pretty difficult Um, because he recognizes the people there he doesn't quite know how to just set his boat down get in it and get in the water uh it's almost like he needs permission or an invitation still because he's just been instructed the whole time and um that that can happen I felt like that a lot with paragliding, you know, just like go up to a paragliding launch and I'm just like, like, how do I just get from here into the air where I just, that's the easy part. Like right now, like if I start to fly this can't this wing, like people are going to be looking at me, like I don't know what to do. And then maybe you're like, you just kill time and procrastinate. So I think that part of that character is pretty relatable. And then, and then the other part of the character is just that's your dream. It's whatever you want it to be. So yeah, in your in in my daydreams, I'm really good at anything I want to be good at. But the I I that's why I think that's a fun a fun video and why people because you can relate to small amounts of both characters or large amounts of both characters. I actually sold my paraglider to a guy who told me he was basically Theo. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, I think it, I think everybody definitely has at least those moments where they feel like that Theodore type character where they're like, oh, I, I'm shy. I don't know what I'm doing exactly. Um, and then everybody obviously has, you know, dreams of their own, depending on what they are, but everybody's got dreams of something. Um, so it, it is pretty relatable and it's, it's definitely an amazing video. And if you haven't seen it, go watch it. And if you have, go watch it again, because it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, so you, you also talked Ben about, um, about paragliding and yoga and all sorts of stuff. I mean, you've done so many incredible things, you know, to date, where do you see yourself going from here in, you know, one, three, five, ten 10 years, any, any of that? I, I really want to continue focusing on kayaking. It's, it's still feeding me in a lot of, a lot of, ways and as i you know for example i've been living on the sunshine coast in british columbia and i have gone to skookum chuck maybe 
four or five times. Um, and that's, that's about an hour's drive away. So the tides I've been there. I'm just, ah, oh, this isn't really like feeding me the way I'd want it to want it to be typically. And I haven't kayaked very much since I've been out here, but I've been mountain biking a lot. I I'm happy to be it's my goals are driving. I hope in a way that I'm going to be very close to, to rivers for a lot more years or maybe the rest of them because it, that is, I really love that time that I get on the water, but I'm totally, I'm happy. Like it's been maybe a month and a half since I left the Ottawa river and I've kayaked very little in that time. But while I was on the river, I kayaked probably three times as much as people normally get to. So it's what I'm doing with these retreats are, they're not a, I don't know how many I'll do or what's going to happen, but I know that it's, it's being a part of my, my process and the goals are, are falling into place on the fly. I don't have, I don't have a set plan, but kayaking is still at the forefront of, of everything I do. Everything I'm doing is, is in, in concert with that. And I'm trying to, strategically put myself in places that it, it makes it super easy. I'm not ready yet to have a home base, but I'm starting to figure out where home bases are going to be. And I'm starting to figure out how I'm going to do that, or at least I have way more clear of a potential picture of what that could possibly look like in five years and 10 years. And that's exciting to me because I don't, I don't need a place yet where I'm at every night. And I'm, I'm really liking the idea of, of a place that I might only be at two months a year, but I'll still have it. And, uh, I'm going to change my answer, Nick, to, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's cool. I think it, I mean, by the sounds of it, honestly, it sounds like you live a very just fluid lifestyle and, and even your decision-making everything. Um, I don't know. It's just, it sounds like everything kind of goes with the flow for, for a lot of it, which is pretty cool. Or at least it goes by like, you know, how you're, you're feeling or maybe your, your gut instinct or whatever. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I need so a sprinter I'm, van. <laughs> yeah. Sprinter vans. A, that's a, it's a great tool for sure. We, we lived out of a sprinter van for a couple of years and um, I regularly, I mean, we've lived out of several different vehicles for several years now. And, and I, I always tell Emily, as much as I love our house here and like the little backyard paradise that we've been building and stuff, I'm like, I'm ready, whatever you want. We'll just move into the vehicle and move on the road hundred percent. But we've got a pretty good compromise where we're only on the road, you know, six to 10 months out of the year. So it's not too bad. (laughs) (laughs) The COVID's kind of, you know, slowed down that travel a little bit, but for the most part, I'm pretty lucky. So, but I'm going to kind of move us along Ben to, um, uh, our favorite five where I ask each guest uh, the same five questions and I want to be respectful for your time because it's been awesome just kind of getting to learn a little bit of your mindset and stuff so um, so first question is Ben do you have an inspirational quote that you live by uh, live by maybe I'm, I'm actually there's two I'm going to requote um, Evan Garcia because I don't know if 
I'm sure it's been said many, many different times in many different ways, but he wrote in, in one of his old blogs, it was, uh, egcreaking.blogspot.com. I don't know if it's still up, but it was amazing. And he was just talking about his, I think it was his life after, after high school. And he just said, if you want anything bad enough, you'll find a way to make it happen. And that is just true. Uh, the people who are seemingly living the dream, which no, it's just living the dream or surviving the dream as some, as Fisher used to say, uh, it's, it's more of a wanting it bad enough. And then one of my favorite authors has a, a really cool quote that I, I would can't say I live by, but it, it again, just like resonates. It says, I'm not talking about living dangerously. Such words are meaningless to me. The, the Toreador does not stir me to enthusiasm. It is not danger. I love, I know what I love. It is life. And I really like that. I actually pulled it up. So that's, I don't know it off by heart, but that's, um, yeah, that's by a really cool French author. He wrote the little, the littlest prince. I don't want to say his last name and get it wrong, but it's pretty easy to find. That's awesome. That's a, that's a great quote there for sure. And, um, both of those actually, I mean, I don't, again, I don't know if Evan was, you know, the one that, <laughs> that quoted that, but it's, it's maybe it's not a, he wrote it. I'm quoting him. It's not like a, it's not like a quote on the wall. You know what I mean? Whether, whether he was re-explaining something, it doesn't matter. Like it, it, in the post, it was him that, that came through him, you know? So it's that, that, that more than anything, I've just never forgotten that. So that would probably be my number one. That's true. And and sometimes I, I think you're totally right where it doesn't matter who said it. It's, it's the message that is trying to be portrayed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's hard to be original with stuff like that. You can, you can find quotes and whether it's presented as a quote or whether you take it out of, a, a bigger jumble of words that someone has said. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, ben, do you have uh, a valuable lesson that you've learned uh, from any recent mistakes? I have a valuable lesson I learned from not a mistake, which was I, I did a, I recently went on a little kayaking mission and I, I kind of over-researched it. And I don't do very much research, but I, I was really careful with creating mile marker, uh, kilometer markers and matching them to recognizable features or et cetera, like either a confluence or a feature that I scouted all on Google Earth. And I, I used something that I, um, I learned first interestingly by reading David Goggin's book about how he, how he would memorize things. And then I used that at yoga school cause we had a test and I had to memorize some stuff and I just, you just write it down over and over. So I took for this huge distance of river, I took five, uh, 10, sorry, important parts and I wrote them down over and over and over until I memorized them. So I just memorized them that way. And, uh, the same trip, the, like it exposed, old injuries. So what I'd like to say is I think that just because the pain from an injury goes away, I don't think the injury goes away. And I, what I'm learning is I can, I can inflame my left rotator cuff pretty easily 
and then my neck where it connects to my back i think from waterfalls and air screws i think that that's injured but the pain goes away so that's that's a lesson i'm trying to to learn and and fix right now very interesting for sure i never really thought about the fact that the the injuries can stay and the pain goes away and i, I just actually thinking about that i've i've actually got a couple of those <laughs> Where I'm like, oh yeah, that that does make sense because the pain comes back every now and then, um, but the injury is still there for sure. Ben, um, uh, we've talked about this lots offline, but uh, what is one of the books that you're currently reading or one of your most favorite books? Um, okay, one of my... One of my current favorites is My Uncle Oswald by Roald Dahl. And that is one of the funniest pieces of fiction I've ever read. And the story is so good. Um, <clears throat> I just finished a book called The Curve of Time, which I, I think you would, you would enjoy. And it's a, I, has, I don't, I don't want to misspeak, but I think it's a British Columbia classic. It's, it's a really beautiful collection of stories that a woman wrote about her travels by sailboat on the coast of British Columbia with her five kids. She was widowed. And I think I've had that book open to my Kindle for more than two years. And I just jumped back into it and devoured it. Like I was maybe, you know, 10% of the way through. And then all of a sudden I just couldn't put it down. Um, unreal. And the book I'm reading right now, which... I can tell I'm going to go through really quickly is called the hate you give and it's, it's worth reading now. Uh, I've, I've tried to, I've gotten through quite a few books like uh, white fragility. And so you want to talk about race and I'm listening to how to be anti-racist and all those books were just really good to I, I i listened to most of those and i'm going to get them on my kindle so i can digest them slower and like more attentively and i like to take highlights from my kindle so i can reread uh certain things that stuck out to me and and it's it's also going to move me in and after i read finish the hate the hate you give is unreal so far i just started it <clears throat> this morning and i'm well on my way through it and I, that's going to choose my, my course for, I think, a good four books where I try to, to read and learn more about like our history here in Canada with the darker, earlier parts of it. Uh, that's amazing. I haven't, I haven't read that, so I'm definitely going to have to check that one out as, as well, for sure. Um, Maybe we can talk, <laughs> we can do a little book club afterwards and, and discuss it. Um, but so next question I've got here for you is, um, what do you consider one of your most awesome memories in life? There's kind of a collection of, <clears throat> of places you can end up and experience a similar feeling. And I think the first time I experienced it was above Itunda Falls on the White Nile. There's this, this little eddy I would catch before I would run it. And in that eddy, I would try to 
understand the difference between my excitement and my apprehension and at the same time look around at I was you're in the jungle in this eddy and you're surrounded by current and and then also understand that I was in Uganda which is in Africa which is very far from where I grew up and that that feeling I had in that place was very amazing to me and then to go back 2 years later and go to that eddy that was really cool so there's there's places on rivers that I like to I like to take a moment to try to experience that. Um, and usually it is before or after a challenging piece of white water. Um, so that memory of, of first experience, experiencing that in Uganda is, is pretty powerful memory. That is awesome. I, I also try to, uh, I try to remember to, you know, to stop and, and just look around and really take in the moments, especially when on rivers, but even throughout life sometimes, because maybe it's just me, but sometimes I feel like I live in a fast paced life and, and there's so much incredible, you know, scenery, so much just incredible moments in life that uh, if you don't really just stop and look and, and take it in, they'll just, you know, pass right by. Um. Next year, I've got our last question of the five for you, Ben. And if you could go back in time to any age and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Well, I'd, I'd take a, uh, I'd take a risk, and I would, I would tell myself, "Don't worry, it's all going to turn out just fine," and uh, you should give yourself, you should you should just go ahead and stop like chasing yourself around in circles inside your own head because it's, it's not a waste of time, but you could, you could, uh, you could relax on spinning around and wondering by just, just executing a bit more and, and not, not overthinking things too much. And you know what else? Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to switch that up. I would I would go back and just encourage the reading of certain books at an earlier age, or maybe that's wrong too. Because I think certain books you need to be a certain age to truly absorb them in a way that's going to have an impact. So, again, I don't. I guess I don't know. Nick is the answer. <laughs> no, that's. I mean, honestly, I, I really liked. I mean, both of those I think are, are totally valid. But I think just the advice of everything's going to be okay is a great not piece. Even like a big picture. It's like the small picture stuff that can really, I guess, I guess I felt bad saying that because it's just not like I've, my life is good, but the, the small picture things that you can end up overthinking. If you could go, if you could just set, get that out of your head at a younger age, it's not out of my head now. Like the, I really look up to people and I don't emulate what they do, but I, I'm almost jealous when I look at certain people and I just think, wow, like they just make a decision and they go for it. And I'm trying to do that more. I'm trying to make decisions and stick to them. <clears throat> but I, I, I don't know, like I've heard that question asked. I've been asked that question and 
it's it's an important question because it's nice to listen to people's answers to it. But uh, I'm happy to slowly. I'm happy at the pace that I'm going to figure things out slowly. Like as long as I, if I live my natural life expectancy, like I'm I'm pretty much shooting to be dialed in the seventies and just have, have it kind of nothing. Another thing I feel that I understand is that no one is, you know, you get to age 70, that's still your first time being a 70 year old. Like no one's on their second go around the seventies. So you're going to be figuring things out and your body's going to be way different. But the, I'm, I feel content at the pace that I'm learning and I'm, I, I guess in that sense, I wouldn't change anything. Now that's, that's some really deep uh, and great advice right there that I think everybody can probably, you know, take a piece from that, from that book and, and something that I, I definitely need to uh, listen to and live that in my life as well. Cause I, I think I stress the little things sometimes um, more than I need to, yeah. but Ben, I've got one final question for you because I've just this has been incredible and and sorry for running a little bit longer than than originally planned. Um, but final question for you, what is your definition of awesome? Um, I would I, I overuse that word unfortunately. I really love words and I feel bad when I've all of a sudden my vocabulary has started repeating a certain one. So I, I say awesome too much but what what is the word the word means like full of awe probably and it just means to me if i say it it means it can mean two things it can mean that was great like that was good that was better than good or or i might just be using it because i don't know what else to say i might just be like oh yeah awesome 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 so unfortunately, I, I I don't think I've done a good I don't think I've done that word uh, great service in my overuse of it, but it it can be yeah it's an adjective describes <laughs> nouns. <laughs> uh, so true. I definitely I definitely also overused it and. Uh, but there are but there are times in life where I'm just like, wow, this is awesome. Like this moment right now is f- I am full of awe. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Those mo well, those moments to me are are it's like the colors are good. It doesn't mean they're bright or whatever. It's just mean I like to think of it as every once in a while I'll look up and I feel like someone just boosted the saturation on what I'm taking in, and I can get a big deep breath. And those are. I think that's the moment that you're, you're talking about when you, when you take in a, a lot of oxygen and it feels good coming in and everything's looking nice. That's pretty cool. That is awesome. Ben, thank you so very much for coming on. This has been just incredible. Um, and I have learned a ton and I hope, you know, our listeners have as well. What is the best way for our listeners to uh, reach out or connect with you, um, whether it be offline or online or whatever? Uh, the, on the gram, my Instagram handle is Benny Marr, but there's no A in R because some Benny Marr one got that one. <laughs> so it's 
E-N-N-Y-M-R-R, and I all eventually, there's not, like, I have tons of messages, depends on what I'm doing, but I'll get back to anything there. And I have a website uh, where if I do anything for retreats, et cetera, I'll post about it on Instagram and Facebook and drive, drive people to the website, which is Benny F C K N Mar.com. Um, I can't remember what F C K N stands for. It's uh free ride choice kayak natural. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I was thinking something else, but I'm glad that it's I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, uh, okay. That's where, yeah, I'm, yeah, that's where I'm reachable. Awesome. Thank you again so much, Ben, for all your stories, for all your little advice, for just kind of explaining how, you know, the deep inner workings of the mind of Benny Marr, uh, how it all works. And it's, it's pretty incredible to listen to. If you guys are into kayaking, if you're into yoga, or just want to hang out with the incredible Benny Marr, definitely go to one of, one of his retreats or check him out online. Um, I'm probably going to have to come and join you one of these times because it sounds right up my alley as well. <laughs> and I'd just love to go paddle with you some more too. Um, and again, thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. This was an amazing episode. And thank you guys. and. If you guys could please subscribe to the podcast, please do so. And if you could give us a rating and review, it would help us greatly as we try to grow the message and uh, grow our community as well. So anyway, thank you, Ben. And thank you, everybody. And this is Nick Troutman signing off. So let's go and have an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.